Hello and welcome to another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thank you so much for listening. This is where I have conversations with people who are living life on their own terms. We dive into those big moments that have pushed them through the fears and self-limiting beliefs that hold so many of us back. Simple living looks different for everybody, but what does it look like for you? In this episode, I chat with Claire Short, who is a wife, a mother of two, and someone that is navigating her way through simple living. If that description sounds very similar to you, well, that is exactly why I wanted Claire on the podcast today, to share the ups and downs, little strategies and resources which have helped her and hopefully will help you. Claire talks about how she first eased her way into simple living by doing the 40 bags in 40 day challenge, a fun game and something I hadn't heard of before. We also chat about decision fatigue, when we don't know where to start so we just don't start at all, simple living and parenting, and that natural progression from living more with less to simplifying our food and being more mindful about our waste. Claire also shares many of the resources that she turns to for inspiration and motivation, including Maria Kondo, Joshua Becker, Courtney Carver and her Project 333, the wonderful Slow Home podcast, and the book Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne. I have linked to all of the resources and everything else that Claire and I discuss in the show notes at liveimmediately.com. Make sure you check them out if you want to dive even deeper. This is an episode to really let you know you're not alone, and however you are personally doing simple living is the best way. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Claire Short. Hi Claire, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Mike. And how are you? I'm very well. And if you, for those listening, if you can kind of hear a little bit of laughter in our voice, we we have. This is the second time we're we're doing this chat because we kind of got through the intro and then Skype just went really crazy for us. So um, bear with us there. But whereabouts in this beautiful world do I find you today, Claire? Today you find me in my hometown, Wellington, in New Zealand, and it's a really, really beautiful, sunny, fairly still winter's day. Oh, beautiful. And Wellington's in the North Island up there, isn't it? It's at the bottom of the North Island, that's correct. Ah, oh, beautiful. I haven't been to the North Island, but I've been skiing in the South Island, and I absolutely do love New Zealand, and it's it's definitely a place that I would love to get back to um, one day. But my dear friend, Jeff Sanquist connected us. And for those listening who don't know Jeff, he was actually the first guest I had on the Live Immediately podcast. And then he also co-hosted an episode where he interviewed me, um, which was really, really interesting. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, then I highly recommend them. And I will link to them in the show notes of this episode. But apart from listening to all of the friendly advice that Jeff gives me, I really wanted to chat to you today, Claire, as I feel you're exactly where many of the listeners are. You're navigating all of your thoughts, your decisions, kids and family, while trying to simplify or figure out what that looks like for you. And I'm sure we're going to dive into many of those things throughout this chat. But to start, can you give me a little bit of a background about yourself? 
I can try and give a little background about myself. So I, um, I've been living in Wellington since I was a very small baby um, in different suburbs around the place, but I haven't properly left Wellington for well over 30 years. Um, and I, gosh, I don't know how much background to give really. Um, once I finished secondary school, I went off to Teachers Training College and worked as a primary teacher. And then I um, I felt really quite young and like I hadn't seen a lot of the world. So I left and did a bit of work in um, a an IT company and then went and worked in sales and marketing. And um, we were trying to start a family. That took a long time between endometriosis, miscarriage, that kind of thing. And so I thought, oh, look, I really loved teaching. I love children. So I'll go back teaching. And then about four months in, um, I got pregnant and stayed pregnant. So um so for the last eight and a half, nine years, I have been mostly a stay-home parent, but I also retrained and um, and I've been working as a childbirth educator for the last few years, which has been a really, really amazing job to be in. Um, with these different career changes came a lot of stuff, a lot of things, a lot of resources. Um, so, and also having two two children, my two boys are eight and six now. Um, children can sometimes come with a lot of stuff as well. So, um. And speaking of that, that stuff, and I guess that will kind of bring us back into simplifying and things like that, but when did you start learning about minimalism and simple living and what was it about it that was really appealing to you? I think um, it wasn't really called minimalism in the places I was getting my information from really early on. But about um, eight or nine years ago, when when my um, my eldest was really small, I I had he was born very very early, and after me spending quite a few weeks in hospital, so I didn't really feel like I'd had the chance to do the nesting thing and prepare the home and prepare the nursery and that sort of thing. Um, so I just I had a lot of frustration and I think that's where just you know feeling I was looking around the house and there were just piles of things everywhere and I'd look in photographs of of my my beautiful boy as he was growing up and there was just a little pile of stuff and just about (laughs) just about every photo so I think that's kind of where I started was it was it was the frustration of having so much stuff and then over time um I when when blogs started becoming more of a thing, I I saw other people were also experiencing a bit of frustration, and um, and I saw challenges for doing something called uh, forty bags in forty days, and I thought that's a really great idea. So during Lent, which um, for those people who aren't, I know it's part of my my uh, the Catholic upbringing I've had, but the forty days before Lent, um, someone turned it into a, a preparation time, and they they challenged themselves to get rid of forty things, forty bags of um, things out of their house. So that was throwing away or donating or or returning things that were borrowed and, and um, on selling things and that sort of thing. So I Wow, a, so that, that's, that's really cool, that idea. It was really cool. And I told a friend about it and she said, oh, I'll be your accountability buddy. And by then both of us had smartphones and um, uh, we used maybe WhatsApp or Viber or one of those um, uh an app where you can text and send photos for free and that sort of thing. So um, we didn't do a bag each day, but we did 40 bags over the time and we just send each other a photo of when things were leaving a house. And it was, that was kind of where it, it started feeling like, yes, I can, I can do this. I love a good challenge. And, um, and I started noticing that space, <laughs> space would appear in my house. And how did you, how did you feel after the, that 40 days? Um, it wasn't the, 
the magic solution that I had hoped it would be because I still looked around and there was still a lot of stuff and a lot of things that um, that was still there. However, just noticing that there were little pockets of um, clear space, that felt good. And also it felt really good that I, I had some beautiful quality wedding gifts. Like we had, oh my gosh, so many platters and wine glasses when we got married. And we just weren't using them. And I thought, you know, someone can get a really beautiful matching set of wine glasses or or platters or something like that. And that can bless them. And so that felt, that, that part of it felt good. But it's certainly been a really long slow process over a number of years and I'm still nowhere near where I would like to be but but that felt like a really good productive start yeah it's interesting you talk about wedding gifts there when um you know Inga and I when we started dating and then moved in together and you kind of bring we both lived out of home when we met each other so we had a house full of stuff and then we moved in together and we had two houses worth of stuff in one house mm. and we just kind of took all of that with us and then when we got married my parents actually gave us a really nice like set of like plates like dinnerware mm. which we only ever brought out when we had guests over and then when we went through our big purging process we were like we only need one set so we we th- you know, donated the two sets, the two day-to-day sets that Inga and I both brought to the relationship. And now every day we just use the good set. And it's great. Like, do you know what I mean? Just all of the space and and you only need one set. And one thing, Inga and I were actually only talking about this the other day, is that good set, it has never chipped. Do you know what I mean? We we don't treat it differently, but it must be just made better because that was one of the big things we were worried about but it hasn't chipped and um you know touch what it doesn't it probably will uh tomorrow now that i've mentioned it but um <laughs> but it's so true like we, we have all of this stuff that that we don't need um so you were saying that once you got rid of those 40 bags it wasn't the i guess the magic solution that you were hoping for what were some of the other steps that you took after after that initial 40 bag exercise um well i i did the 40 bag exercise again and um i used to be a lot more active on facebook than i than i am now and i did kind of say like the next year or maybe towards the end of the year i was like hey i've done this challenge i'm going to do it again does anyone want to jump on board and i i did feel really inspired because um like my my husband's uncle who i hadn't had a lot to do with before he was really into it and he had a really great time purging a whole lot of things and um, yeah, and just kind of going through that process again another couple of times. And then um, five years ago, tragically, we, we lost two of our friends. Um, both of them died from cancer two days apart. And so within our, our really tight group of friends, two of the girls were, were widowed. And after the dust settled from that, I just felt this really awful thing of, what if that was me? What if I got a really awful illness and I passed away? And I'm looking around at all of my things thinking, I, I feel ashamed that if I, I mean, I could, I could jaywalk and get flattened by a bus and, you know, be gone really quickly and someone would have to deal with all my stuff. And it felt really, really awful. So it kind of, that encouraged me on, um, just kind of having that as a bit of a motivator and just slowly just using some different tools and looking for inspiration all sorts of different places. Um, so that was kind of kind of the next step, I guess. Um, yeah, but sitting with that, that discomfort and then just going, right, what can I do with this instead of just feeling really anxious or ashamed? 
Yeah, it's funny that that you know you, you speak there about anxious and and ashamed. You kind of when you when you do look at everything, and you kind of, as you said also sitting with that discomfort, <clears throat> discomfort. Pardon me. <clears throat> you you kind of do need to push through that to go hold on mm. if if I want to change then I then I need to start doing certain things but what have been some of the the struggles or challenges of slowing down and simplifying that you've found oh there have been a few um <laughs> i think the biggest one is that working part time and having growing children there's a lot of distractions and i sometimes found that I was just I felt like I just really needed someone to step in and you know take the kids away for six hours so I could really get stuck in instead of doing something for 30 minutes and then needing to go and you know feed someone or tidy up someone else's mess or you know get some more housework done and that sort of thing um but one of the other real biggies has just been the the fatigue kind of the mental fatigue that I feel with making decisions about am I keeping this am I donating it am I giving this away and um that I found that to be quite quite a challenge um and also I just have this really stupid um stopper thing where I'm just like I'll go through a really really good process of deciding what's going to go but then it'll it'll sit in the garage or the boot for weeks or months and um and sometimes just actually dropping something off to the op shop on my way out just seems like the hardest thing in the world (laughs) yeah it's really interesting I find that sometimes we Instead of purging or eliminating something from our life, we just move it to another area. And whether, mm-hmm. and whether that be a physical area of, you know, the garage or the boot, I've always been a big advocate of you've just got to do it all in one motion. Do you know what I mean? If you're putting it in the boot, then you hop in the car and you drive it there straight away. So you, it's all part of that same that same mental space, if you know what I mean? Because if not, it's kind of, even though something's sitting in the garage or the boot, it's also in the back of your mind. And for me, that that decluttering of the physical space is one thing, but it's always, for me, links back to that, that mental space and that decluttering of the mental space as well. How have, mm. you, how have you found that relationship? How have I found that relationship? I think once I do kind of suck it up and just get things dropped, I find that the physical space does give me a bit of mental space and a feeling of achievement. And yeah, is that kind of what you were asking? I'm not really sure if I'm Oh, no, no, definitely. It's, well. uh, it's, it's just more about, for me, I find there's a really big relationship between the f- physical clutter and mental clutter. And once we declutter our physical space, then we declutter our mental space. And I was just wondering whether you had a, a, a similar um similar experience or maybe not like there's no there's no rules to this game there are no rules to this game you're quite right um yes I I do agree with you that that when you do um yeah when you when you minimize how much clutter that you are seeing um particularly the stuff in the the spaces in your home where you are multiple times every day I think when you give yourself some some physical clear space it is just so much easier to um to think through just everything else really it mm. it um its effects are quite far reaching i find and are there particular items that you struggle with to to let go of oh that's an interesting question like for um, for, for for me like to kind of give you a bit of background here like i have this pair of <laughs> it's going to sound a bit funny i have this pair of 
cowboy boots, right? They're yeah. ostrich skin cowboy boots that are vintage. They're made in the 70s um, that I bought at this great little shop on Crown Street called Route 77. Um, sorry, Route 66. What was I talking about? Um, <laughs> that I got maybe when I was, you know, in 2003, right? I was 23 years old. And I used to wear yeah. these things all the time. I have not worn these boots for it's got to at least be eight years. All right. Yeah. And I've gone through some big decluttering. Do you know what I mean? Over 70% of my belonging. <laughs> but these boots still stay there. You know, I, I have had them up on like eBay and gum or Gumtree, but they didn't sell. And I just kind of can't let go of them in a sense. I kind of want them to go to a good home, if that makes any sense. Oh, um, if who wouldn't want vintage ostrich skin cowboy boots? <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's just, it's just really interesting. Like there's, it's, and I've got a guitar, like I've got three guitars. Um, I play one of them the most and I've have this other one that's kind of up in the, um, like in Andy's room up in the, above her wardrobe. And I, mm. I, I very rarely play it like once a year, if that. And Inga's yeah. always like, why, why don't you get rid of that guitar? Like, why are you holding on to that? And I, I can't answer the question apart from it's a musical instrument. Like, you, you can't just get rid of that. Like, someone, Andy might want to play guitar when she's older. And do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just interesting, even, even though, you know, I, I can let go of things quite easily. There are still certain things that I, I hold on to in a, in a really weird way. And, yeah, so do you have any any particular items or, or types of items that you struggle with letting go of? Yeah, I think I do. I, I have had some fairly similar things where it has been a sentimental thing. Um, I've got a, a shawl that my one of my great-grandmothers crocheted and I haven't worn it ever. Um, it's kind of moved around different spots. I, I will do something with it at some stage. My wedding dress just went this year. Um, <laughs> funny story. Um, well, we thought it was funny anyway so we I mean it was a really nice wedding dress and I wore it 12 years ago and a friend and I got dressed up in our wedding dresses um just for fun a few years later and otherwise it just it was just hanging in a bag and it was taking up quite a bit of space um as was the fashion in 2005 when I got married it was rather a full skirt um not giant but it still took up a significant was it meringue-ish no, no, thank goodness it wasn't meringue-ish, um, but it was, there, were, there were a few layers of petticoating to make the skirt nice and full. Um, but I just had this decision fatigue about, oh, you know, which dry cleaners do I take it to? Do I really want to commit to spending hundreds of dollars to get it dry cleaned so I can then on-sell it? I, I, just, I, I just kind of got a little bit too wound up about it and just kept putting it off and putting it off. And one day, um, it was in the back of the car with the intention to go to a dry cleaner's. And my husband and I were just doing some errands and we drove past one of those um, roadside donation bins. And I was like, oh, my gosh, do you know what we should do with the wedding dress? And so I felt like I was doing something really, really naughty. But I just got the whole wedding dress. I put it in, like pulled down the, the big um, flap door thingy, put the wedding dress in there, jumped in the car. We drove away like we'd done something <laughs> really bad and just had a really good laugh about it and actually the freedom I felt after that was amazing but there are still quite a few other things where I've still got a lot of decisions that I need to make about um but it's it's oh, it's really yeah. interesting though like when you talk about that wedding dress so that wedding dress has actually given you two great memories like obviously your wedding day but then mm. also getting rid of it do you know what I mean that is 
you know, when you talk about experiences and stories that you're going to pass on, you're always going to tell people about your wedding. But now you've also got this amazing story about when you shoved your wedding dress <laughs> into a donation <laughs> bin. And, and yeah, I think that's beautiful. I, I think that there, I wish all of our, our uh, possessions would give us such strong stories like that. Oh my gosh, and the relief that, that that I felt having that gone. But um, yeah, hopefully someone has bought it from an op shop and they're getting a lot of joy out of it now. It was um, it was great for me twelve years ago, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gone now. But then I, yeah, I think in in answering your original que- your initial question, um, I think paperwork has been a really difficult thing as well. Mm-hmm. Having done a a degree in um, education and then a diploma in childbirth education there's a lot of papers and a lot of teaching resources that I've slowly been just peeling back the layers and and that has been really difficult but I think um, bless her Marie Kondo the Japanese um, author who's written the life-changing magic of tidying up I think it's called um, she talks about that the paperwork stuff in her book and she's like you've got that knowledge at the time you've got the knowledge there if you're not referring back to it back to the material on a regular basis you're not going to so just get rid of it so that has been helpful but then every now and then I just panic and think oh my gosh what if there's something in there that I need for later on so (laughs) it's amazing what you can find on google though it is amazing what you can find on Google, but also um, there's a lot of textbooks and there's also a lot of electronic stuff I've got stored where I wrote a lot of essays about a lot of different topics and I could just fish those out and refresh my memory and electronic stuff takes up so much less space mm. than um, folders of dividers, papers. <laughs> and, 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 sp- and speaking of Miss Kondo, is there, like, you know, when you were going or starting your, your journey into simple living, were there other re- resources that you lent towards or you, you learnt certain things from? There have been quite a few. Um, I think I've needed a few to kind of keep things interesting and, and when I start, you know, running out of motivation, then I'll pick up something else. Um, hers has been a tool but not the tool for me. Um, but I, I've i done a lot of um, Project 333, um, which is Courtney Carver's wardrobe challenge, and I've done that every season for a good few years and each time I do that I dump my whole wardrobe every all the clothes I own on my bed and just put back um, into like my storage drawers for off-season stuff I'll put back what I what I know I will wear again in future but it's not the right season Um, and then that that makes life a whole lot easier just not having so much to kind of elbow my way through to get dressed in the morning Um, and and for those listening do you want to explain what Project 333 is? I certainly can. So Courtney Carver, I think her website is bemorewithless.com. I may be wrong. I apologize if I am. No, you're not. Um, but it's – oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, so her challenge is that for 30 for, – hold on, for three months, you choose 33 items of clothing, and that's not including everything like um, – for me, sleepwear, activewear, underwear, um, you know, singlets for going under clothes, I don't include those. And I don't follow it definitely to the letter because if I had to include shoes and scarves, I'd be ruined. So um, I, I just put 33 hangers out and just put um, a basic, kind of like a capsule wardrobe on there. And that's all that I'll wear for the, the 33, sorry, the 33 items is all that I'll wear for the, the next three months and then keep changing things over. Um, I think that's kind of a fairly yeah. mashed up version of what it is. And and how how did you find yourself 
like did you run out of clothes did you feel in the morning because you didn't have to go through so many clothes you didn't have to make so many decisions like how did you feel about doing that I didn't run out of clothes um probably partly because I slightly cheated um but I just found it so much quicker and easier and not having quite so many decisions to make um I knew what I was doing that day so I could grab either work stuff or um or day-to-day stuff um and yeah really really quick and easy for for making those decisions and you know if anything did get worn out then it's not a um it's not an exercise in depriving yourself of anything so I could go and replace it if I had a you know something got a a massive rip in it or a t-shirt was just way too tired to wear for day-to-day stuff I could go and replace it so that was pretty it was a pretty easy and and kind of a cool creative exercise as well just to match different colors for three months and that sort of thing and so apart from um Courtney and Maria were there any other places that you kind of went for inspiration and motivation uh yes yes I've got a lot of motivation and inspiration from a lot of different podcasts um and um slow your home has been a real a real biggie for me um from slowyourhome.com the slow home podcast has been a real game changer and um joshua becker has done a lot a lot of really amazing blogging and writing and um and things that you can sign up to with little video things you can you can watch and learn from um, so that's been really, really helpful for me. And in terms of being being a parent and running a household, um, a friend, my friend Rox, um, introduced me to Kim John Payne's book, Simplicity Parenting, which has been so, so helpful in so many different ways, but especially just thinking about making sure that my kids have got a um, a really good opportunity to be kids and and also not to have too much stuff in their life, not too much of the adult world in their life, but also not too much physical stuff. And that has been really, really helpful. And I have definitely noticed differences with my children that they're not quite so so wound up or so, um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, like, like on that point, like how has simple living changed the way that you parent? Um. It's just been such a slow boil um, that I think it's just been lots of really little incremental changes that I couldn't say it's just one thing that has that has changed. Um, some of the little things I know are that I, I've really simplified the food that we eat, which partly is because a couple of us have food sensitivities. So um, learning how to be creative, for example, with not having gluten and um, not having sugar, not ha- well, not having too much sugar. Um, that's helped my creativity but also helped me simplify because maybe 90 something percent of our food is not processed so I'm mainly baking from scratch and cooking from scratch um also we don't really have a lot of stuff scheduled um when my my eldest son started school he had swimming after school one day and then he had gymnastics after school another day and by the time we got to Friday afternoon he was just exhausted and and I noticed that in him and I thought well what's the worst that can happen? He can still do swimming as part of the school curriculum. But what if we just don't? What if we just don't do anything? And if they want to do something, yep, we can go and pay for a one-off session of, of rock climbing. Um, he really enjoys going to do that with his dad or um, his uncle or his, his grandfather or, or you know, two or three from that, um, those people. Um, but, yeah, it's just been really wonderful that they don't – I'm not – 
get picking them up from school and then rushing them off somewhere. So if the weather's good, we just hang around school for however long, which we do anyway, because my littlest one takes ages to get ready after school. But he's learning and he's he's getting better, a little tiny bit better each each day. And then we just hang around after school and they, they play in the playground and, and we don't have to rush anywhere, which has been really, really wonderful. And I, I'm sure they're just much happier for it. Um, in terms of stuff, I... They share a bedroom, which has been great, and I don't have a theme or anything. I don't, I don't go and you know deck out everything with you know certain colour themes or or superhero themes or anything like that. It's just really it, the bedroom is just really quite functional. They have a lot of books, um, but with the especially with the simplicity parenting book, I my husband and I read the chapter, talked to each other about it, and went right. This is what we're going to do, and we really drastically downsized how many toys they have in their room and oh my gosh it's made life so much nicer for all four of us (laughs) so so that was a really interesting way that you read that book like both you and your husband I guess joined forces there you know you both read a chapter and then discuss it um which is yeah it was about the only time that's happened (laughs) (laughs) but that's but that's a, a you know at least everyone's on the same page there like how did you how did you find that process I found that doing that process with my husband was fantastic because it wasn't just me having to think about it and plan it and and go through all of that stuff. And we, I mean, we didn't do it to the kids. We we talked to them about it and and they were welcome to you know to help us choose which toys were going to go on the shelves in their wardrobe and what was going to go away and that sort of thing. Um, but not having to do it on my own was really really helpful. Just kind of like having an accountability buddy for some of the other things that I've. I've done to minimize how much stuff we have in our lives. But um, to be honest, like the more I've been doing this kind of downsizing and simplifying and that sort of thing, just every now and then my husband will notice. He's like, hey, we don't have so much like stuff. This place is looking a whole lot tidier. And so that's been really wonderful just um, to affirm me in that process that, yep, stuff is getting done but also with our kids, knowing that, that we did that, we were on board with each other and the kids knew they were on board as well. That was um, that was really helpful not to be on my own doing it. And like previous to, I guess, reading that book with your husband, were you, did you feel like you were on your own in this simple living kind of journey or, or has he kind of been on the bandwagon with you? Um, it's a good question. I think there have been some things that I've, I've listened to and I've talked to him about it's it's a rare conversation these days where I'm not saying at some stage oh and I was listening to this podcast blah 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 um but I think he's been he's been a good sounding board and he's um he's listened to a lot of what I've been keen on doing and every now and then when he does get involved particularly if he sees that I'm just getting really tired and stressed out and um and sometimes my my the skin on my hands gets really it suffers for how stressed I'm getting and that sort of thing. So I think when he sees that, he is um, a bit more inclined to say, hey, you know, what can I do to help or that sort of thing. But um, I feel like I've totally forgotten the question that you were, you were asking now. <laughs> no, I was just, just, say, just saying whether, whether he was on the bandwagon of Simple Living with you or or do you find that reading that book together really, that was the, 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 the turning point for him to, to really join in on that journey? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't think there has been one turning point. I think it's just been more little incremental um, steps along the way where, um, you know, he's been noticing that more stuff has been getting more sorted, more tidy, 
and um and he's he's happy to contribute every now and then but I think he just gets too scared to he doesn't want to jump in and get rid of things in case I say ah but I use that every week or whatever so he's a bit scared to be told off but (laughs) um we all are yeah 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 I I am scared to touch (laughs) some of his stuff as well in case I throw out something that's actually really valuable or really important to him so yeah but yeah definitely not a, a single turning point it's just been little wee steps along the way because it's it's often the thing that comes up when I talk to people that like they might be going down this journey or they might wanting to to simplify and they they always ask but you know my partner doesn't want to do this or my partner is a you know a semi hoarder and my advice is always you you can't change people like you've just got to go and do it and hopefully they'll see the change in you and and then they'll kind of see the benefits and and want to change themselves but if not then you know, so be it. Like we can't go around changing people. Um, mm. But simple living, like it looks very different for everyone. Like there's no, you know, just do this and, and you kind of get that. But what what does it look like for you and your family? Like what is is simple living for you? What is simple living for us? I think changes all the time. Um like in the future, it'll probably look a whole lot different to how it how it is now. But I think at the moment, how it looks for us is that you know food is more simple. Um, and I don't, I'm not a fancy cook, but I can cook some really good nourishing meals using really basic ingredients. Um, I think having a less scheduled lifestyle, particularly the extracurricular activities, um, and that's for for all of us. And um, yeah, I think that, that that kind of contributes to just it, things being a bit simpler, a bit easier. We don't have um, massive wardrobes of loads and loads of clothes and shoes for the kids, so that's quite that is quite helpful. Um, and so they don't have a really they don't have a super cluttered room anymore. And slowly, more and more, um, we're kind of following suit with that with with our own possessions, our own wardrobes, and our own possessions. Um, I think also that um, we're kind of moving towards less waste as well. So that that kind of in a way of simplifying things. We don't use a lot, use a lot of um, uh, single-use items. So having reusable things is really quite helpful because it is just, again, we're, we're turning down, um, not getting the, the kids lots of, you know, takeaway food, for example, and that can create so much waste. Um so we're pretty controlled with that sort of thing. But, yeah, lots of reusables, lots of um, intentional purchases and not many intentional purchases. <laughs> I think, um, like, when we talked earlier, we had, like, the name Kmart came into things. And, and, like, me today is a lot different to me, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where, like, I, I, I know for me it's okay to love Kmart, <laughs> but I don't get a lot there anymore, whereas old me would have got a whole lot of different stuff and lots of little knickknacks for around the house but now it's just you know really just notebooks notebooks are really helpful they stop little bits of paper from being spread right across the house Mm -hmm. one of my children is quite prolific at drawing making his own version of pokemon cards and that kind of thing and the more that that's contained the better um but yeah i think just at the moment, slowly moving towards having having less piles of stuff around the place is, is what my goal is for simple living at the moment. But yeah, yeah, that's- yeah, it's really interesting that you talk about food 
and waste because I, I, I know that there are two avenues that, that Inga and I have been going down over the last kind of three, I'd say three months. Like food has, has definitely been a, a thing. Like we've always eaten quite healthy, but now it's really looking into the environmental impact and things like that. And then with waste, there was a, um, a really great series here in Australia on the ABC um, called War on Waste. And I will link to that in the show notes because I think that you can view it uh, online as well. And they just kind of went through all of these different things about recycling and about um, plastics and just as a as a country, the amount of takeaway coffee cups that we go through that, that mm. aren't biodegradable and all of these different things. And I know with, with our group of friends, people that, that, that we kind of hang around and in conversations, this war and waste has come up and everybody, it seems to be a lot of people have watched this and they're talking about it. And um, I think it, it's one of those shows that has really, I think really changed a group of people all at one time. Those people that were kind of sitting on the fence with a lot of stuff. And I kind of want to call that like maybe the, it's kind of crossed that chasm in the old marketing terms. Do you know what I mean? We're now kind of in that, like the, the, the early majority of people are kind of really starting to think about this. Um, yeah. And like, it, it's true. Like you, you start to talk about, you know, a simple, simple living. And it, for us, it did start with, with items and space and you know that physical space and mental space and then it's kind of like all right where do we go from now and and you you spoke about that what it looks like now will be different to what it looks like you know in the future and i think that's so true it, it, it's never this we never arrive at the simple living campground do you know what i mean of life <laughs> it is this it's kind of this beating heart that just rolls with you everywhere that you go what? You're telling me there's no destination? <laughs> I'm sorry to burst that bubble. I've been sold a lie. <laughs> um, yes, the, the food waste thing is uh, it's pretty insane. And for you to talk about an Australian series, that's just Australia. And that's one country. And there's the whole, there's the rest of the world. And it is pretty incredible. To, and New Zealand's tiny. Like the population of New Zealand is probably about the same as the city of Sydney alone. It's... Um, even just thinking about how much waste we produce but yeah I, I guess if you just kind of look at what's going out you know look at what what you are putting in your rubbish bin all the time and and just think right I can start here I can make little changes um and you know just let those let those changes start to um spread and yeah, even just we have keep cups that we use for for getting the majority of our, our takeaway coffees and that's huge like mm. for us to 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 do that we're minimising so many reusable coffee. Oh, sorry, single-use coffee cups that that we thought were recyclable until someone burst the bubble on that, and they said no, they can't recycle the the cups. They can only recycle the lids, and and yeah, it's a it's a bit of a wake up call. We kind of well, it, the planet it, it, <laughs> in, in a in a big way, in a big way, and it was it was interesting. We um we went away for like the long weekend um that we had here in in Australia a couple of we- weekends ago. And um, our bins go out on a Monday night to be collected on a Tuesday morning. And mm-hmm. the, the Monday was a public holiday. So when it's a Monday public holiday, you think it's a Sunday and you, you're all, you forget what day it is. And I woke up on, on the Tuesday morning and I heard the garbage truck and I was like, 
oh, I forgot to put the bins out. And usually that would, you know, in the past, it's like, oh, my bin's overloaded. If I've got to go for another week without it being collected, I'm going to have rubbish everywhere. And I just laid in bed going, ah, it doesn't matter. It's probably only half full now because we had kind of cut down on, on certain waste. So um, by cutting down on waste, people, you actually get to sleep in when you forget to put your, your bin out. That was the moral <laughs> of that story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. But um, Claire, before we do go, I have one final question that I would love to ask you, which is a question that I ask every guest on the podcast. And that's if you could please describe your perfect day. Oh, a perfect day. Uh, I'm sure it could take a number of different forms, but I think rather than kind of going chronologically through a day, I think if I had a day where I could spend time with my family, especially my um, my kids, my husband, my sister, um, my extended family on both sides, but yeah, um, time with the family, I think, and also knowing that my whole family are well um, would be huge, just having that, that peace of mind. Definitely having some beautiful food in that day, maybe some beautiful coffee and wine as well. Um, Spending some time in nature, um, having a lot of colour to my day would be really, really perfect. Just seeing lots of different colours on trees and plants and and people and that sort of thing. Um, And really, I think seeing, seeing God and the beauty of nature and all the wonderful things that have been created um music's a really big thing so having a chance to sing and dance at some stage and maybe that could be a really noisy evening with some really great friends um having both i think worthwhile conversations but also some really silly fun conversations and having a good laugh um and um having a pain-free day i think would be quite perfect as well so yeah happy days a uh, healthy wine-filled coffee-filled colorful musical Bring it on. Sounds, sounds like a pretty good day to me. Yay. Um, so, Claire, I just want to say thank you so much for giving me some of your time today and for like just sharing some great tips some really good resources that I will link to in the show notes um, about kind of simple living because sometimes I talk to people that are, you know, they, they, they might have their own website or they might have kind of done something or achieved something, but I think it was so great to talk to someone who is just kind of going through everything that we're, we're all going through and, and kind of tr- trying to f- just figure stuff out as we put one foot in front of the other. But if people do want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? I think the best way if random people want to reach out, um, I, I use Instagram. My handle is at GoShortyNZ. Um, and I'm more than happy for people to, you know, flick me a message that way or um, see some of the weird, crazy, boring, whatever things I get up to would probably be the, the easiest way to find me. Most definitely. Well, I will link to that as well in the show notes at liveimmediately.com with everything else that, that we've spoken about. But before we go, is there, is there anything that I've forgotten? Is there anything that you want to say? Um, I don't think there's anything you've forgotten, but um, in terms of what, I, what I'd love to finish the conversation off with, firstly is to say thank you very much for the opportunity and um, for giving me a, a bit of time to share some of my story, even though it was a little bit nervous. Um, I was a bit nervous to begin with um, in you know, putting myself out there. But um, yeah, I just hope that someone finds something really helpful in this and, and um, if nothing else, if people can take away that actually no one really knows what they're doing 
100%. Everyone's making it up as they go along. My life got a whole lot easier when I discovered that. And I hope that other people can see that, you know, everyone is really just making it up as they go along. I couldn't agree more, most definitely. But thank you so much, Claire. And thank you, everybody else who is listening. And until next time, have fun and live immediately. That was another episode of the Live Immediately podcast with Mike Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. The original Live Immediately theme music is by the multi-talented Timothy McPhee. You can check out his music at firekites.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed the show, had some fun, and maybe even learned something, then make sure you subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, why not leave a rating and a review? You know it's going to make my day. Thanks for stopping by and giving me some of your time today. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, have fun and live immediately.